Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. I am your host today, Christina, and I am here with Joanne and Lisa, and we are interviewing Claire Dalton from Dungarvan Brewing Company, which we are really excited about. Before I get into it, uh, just to remind you to check us out on YouTube, like and subscribe, and you can get us wherever you can download your podcasts. So before we get into the interview, we have to start with the all-important question, what are you drinking? So Joanne, do you want to kick us off? What are you drinking? So I have um, Dungarvan, the Saison. Now, I've had this a few times, so I decided to get it again. I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't typically like Saison, so, um, but I really enjoy it. It's very kind of summery and better nice for this weather, I think. I'm starting to brighten up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely one I enjoyed. They yeah. have a couple left in my local, so. Oh, lovely for a day like today when yeah, the sun yeah, was out. Absolutely. That'll probably, we can put a pin in when we recorded this because everyone will be like, it was that one day. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> one day at the end of February with the beautiful weather. So what is it, what, it, what, what are the notes in it, Joanne, is there? Did I say? Oh, are you testing me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, sorry. It's, so, it's, it's, called, um, it's called Curious Orange. It's a style beer with orange peel and thyme. I won't, I won't say, I, I don't think I can really get the thyme off after that. That's maybe just my palate, but definitely get the orange and it's quite it's nice and light and oh that yeah. sounds really nice for a saison i bet that's beautiful yeah and as i said i don't usually like saisons but it's it's just really lovely that it's a really good balance of everything i think awesome yeah what are you drinking lisa well, unfortunately, I could not find any Dungarvan in my five kilometer radius at the moment. So a little knock on our, our local distributors. But I do have my my standard school night beer, my, my four provinces mild, which is, is just always delicious and uh, just great to have something that's, you know, not going to, uh, you know, knock your brain out uh, after one or two. So always a delight. But looking forward to hearing more about Dungarvan because I keep hearing wonderful things and the ones I have had, I've absolutely loved. So keen to learn more. Right. And and I, I'm also drinking a Dungarvan. Uh, I'm drinking the Cobra <laughs> uh, Challenger Session Pale Ale uh, because it's 3.8%, which is an excellent school night beer. Absolutely. An excellent school night beer. And I, well, I love this beer. But um, this reminds me of summer when I went to see Claire. Hey. <laughs> With lovely, speaking of lovely sunny weather, I was really happy to open this day because it was a nice day out and it reminded me when we were down in Dungarvan and the weather was absolutely stunning. We were eating outside and, and you know, drinking lots of lovely Dungarvan beer, lots of uh, Helvet Gold, actually lots of Helvet Gold, um, which is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, so just reminiscing about that and enjoying this beer and wishing I was there Sunny so long ago. Picture beer started life as a summer seasonal before we added it to the first ah. summer. So it was initially our summer beer. Looks beautiful. It's really nice. I mean, it's really, really nice, and I'm just so ready for summer. So I am here pretending <laughs> that it is summer. I haven't done the best job of pouring this. It's not all in there yet. That's oh, lovely and fluffy, though. Yeah, nice. Excellent. So, um, Claire, 
do you want to introduce yourself and and kind of talk about a little bit of your just a quick introduction background into who you are and what you okay. do <laughs> okay the, the the short version <laughs> so I'm Tara Dalton I was one of the four people I suppose who started Dungarvan Brain Company the other three being my husband Tom my brother Cormac who's our head brewer and Cormac's wife Jen so it's between the four of us we started uh back in launch our beers in 20. 20- 10 so our 10th birthday was in lockdown um I was like we do the 11th but <laughs> right now, maybe the 18th now or something I'm not sure um so I um what do I do at the brewery I, I, I mean I don't uh, as I say I don't even pretend to brew but probably have a finger in every other element of what goes on there so you know mostly um kind of running the business side and I in ordinary times which do most of our tastings and I do our tours and that kind of thing and um so yeah sort of all elements I mean I would be thrown on the bottom line or things like that but uh yeah or you know be told to flick off that switch in half an hour I have to go pop out or something but that's about the extent of the brewing that I do so I don't as, as I say I don't even claim to pretend to brew um but everything else probably in the brewery I would I would do a bit of and I think I think we want to just start kind of what even drew you to craft beer? What, what, how did you guys decide to start a brewery? What was what was the impetus behind that? Chestnut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I mean, like everybody says, oh, we were sitting in the pub going, this would be a wonderful kind of thing. And what there was genuinely a bit of that about it. So as I said, Cormac um, is, is the head brewer, has always been. So he was the one who was the home brewer and coming from that background. And kind of getting Tom as my husband himself and Tom, we have been living away and moved back to Dungarvan. We're all from here originally. And uh, getting Tom into, first of all, trying out these beers he was brewing and then he was doing brewing with them. And it was a thing of we were socialising and going out together. We were young, freer and child freer, et cetera, at that time. And, um, you know, it was the thing of there was the same four taps in every pub. I'm going back to 2007, 2008 kind of time here. So, and it was always the thing of, wouldn't it be great if we, if there was more range and that the mm. choice was starting to come through, you know, the international beers were coming in and that sort of thing, but it was more the off-license side. Um, and then I suppose the separate thing then is that there was always a brewery in Dungarvan, as most towns of this size and mm. up probably would have had. So there was that history of there being the brewery in town and all that kind of thing. And I know Tom and Jen's grandparents, grandfathers would have worked in the brewery and that kind of mm. thing. So it was sort of from the two sides, as was the historic and also seeing what was happening elsewhere and what was coming. And, you know, the way that it had gone in craft beer in the States, in European countries, places mm. like that. Um, so seeing that look, it's going to come here and it reached a point where we were talking about it for so long. We said somebody else is going to do this in Dungarvan and we're going to get so annoyed. <laughs> so <laughs> we started looking at it properly then and researching it and genuinely it was like the end of 2008 when the recession hit. I mean, we take a lot of the cliche boxes I know. Um, and that kind of thing. My husband, Tom, would have worked in the construction industry. So, you know, which obviously the bottom fell out of and that. So it, that was really final push of what are we doing? Are we talking about this? Are doing it? Because we probably need to look at our, I was also pregnant at that time and uh, everything. So, you know, we would have had to look at our options. Do we move abroad or do we go elsewhere looking for work or something? So that was our sort of, you know, real last push mm. to, to get us going. We hoped to launch in 2009 and actually we started, we, you know, incorporated the business in 2009, um, but it was April 2010 before we actually launched the, the beers. Wow. So you actually so also launched the beers with, with the new, like a, a new small person as well at the same time. <laughs> so I, I have two kids. Yeah. So, I'm just so like, um, oh. yeah. And, and, and another one, the year after my, my two boys are, as I said, the brewery will be 11 in April. They will be 10 and 12 in June. So. <laughs> they book in, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, yeah, the early years, I was sort of fairly tucked away and kept myself in the background because, I mean, it isn't a good look to be out promoting beer when you're <laughs> heavily pregnant. Or, you know. And, uh, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of um, bouncing babies on my knees while I was 
doing stuff or on the phone or I suppose what everybody's doing these days but I mean I was that way before the the trend. Yes, pioneer. Uh, Yeah, so I mean you know they spent a bit of time in the office with me and stuff but they were very small. So yeah that that was sort of I suppose where I came from then like I mean I did keep myself in the background for those sort of reasons and then uh, a few years in it was like no you know what I I kind of I'm sick of being stuck behind the the office door or whatever I so that's how I kind of came to be the one doing the tasting because I was mad to get out of there get on the road then and everything you know whereas Tom was out doing the selling at the time and was just sick of being on the road so it suited that way so that's kind of how I sort of went that route I suppose amazing Oh, that's really, I mean, it's really interesting. Or how important do you think the role of community is in in creating? I mean, you talked about, you know, oh, someone else in Dungarvan is going to do this. And <laughs> and I, I noticed when I when I was in Dungarvan, just the availability of of your beer. And um, yeah. I fell in love. We fell in love with the restaurant, The Moorings, of course, um, by the castle. And just, it was amazing and had lots of your lovely beer. And it just, <laughs> it was something that we noticed just, the community sort of push to, to, Oh, have you, you know, when we were there and we were like, you know, ordering beer, Oh, have you tried Dungarvan? Oh yes, 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 we have. <laughs> but thank you for telling us, you know, just that co- sort of like community mentality of, yeah, this is our local beer and try it with our local food. And and how important do you think that is to, to your brewery or to, to, to craft beer in general? Yeah. Well, firstly, it's brilliant to hear that. <laughs> that's, that, that's what you experience down here. Um, I will say that, Going back to day one, I remember our original business plan and, you know, we were, we'd hoped to sell X amount here and all that. And I mean, I think we had hoped to be stocked in one place in Dungarvan and selling like a half a case of beef or so, you know. So <laughs> from the get-go, we so, Dungarvan just wanted it and it was brilliant, you know, never, it was always more than what we expected initially because, you know, we thought, yeah, it's a small town and if there's one place that's really into their beers and if they took us out of the, you know, so um yeah lots of the the likes of like you mentioned the moorings and a few other things like that are not we're Dungarvan we want Dungarvan beer um so that was brilliant so we had that from day one massive community support locally which I think it's fair to say I don't think I'm speaking out of hand but I don't a lot of other breweries did not get that in their local towns Mm. it took a lot longer before they came around so um maybe you know maybe we're just a more progressive (laughs) type (laughs) town I'm not sure but um, yeah, we were delighted with that first day. Um, in terms of community, I suppose there's so many different communities then, like there is the local support communities of the kind of craft beer community. We would also have been fairly aligned with the, the food community and the, you know, the food producers and um, even the chefs, restaurants and stuff like that around us and wider, I suppose. But, you know, there are p- quite a few around our locality in the whole of County Waterford and then, you know, the, in the wider community I think maybe as well around the time we started a lot of people were starting small food businesses mm-hmm. artists and producers and stuff like that so you know we kind of all linked in and we were sort of doing lots of things together so yeah community has been really important to us but there are lots of offshoots I suppose of community mm. I think well Joe you're you're kind of well you're down around there now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I, I live um, I live just by the hospital actually so okay fairly local and, and um i'm trying to be a bit more local about what i'm drinking it, it's not that easy here because it's there's you guys and there's metal man and there's actually a very good supply local to me of um of yours and metal man so that's that's kind of handy um, yeah, yeah it, um but it, it's lovely like i love the, the whole copper coating as well it, it's such a nice thing to draw on because it's such a beautiful kind of part of the country and which we've only recently discovered um yeah, I remember actually, Claire, when we when when we were down and and, and we met up with you and we did the mm-hmm. brewery tour and we talked about it and then and then soon after I met up with Joe or it was before that I met up with you? I don't remember Joanne. I think, was, I think it was after. Was it after? Mm-hmm. I think it was after. And we were talking about how much we loved how everything sort of tied into your the names of the beers sort of tie into mm-hmm. the locality and and you know and and the stories behind them and 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 how important do and this is for Claire and and also for Joanne and Lisa. How important do you think sort of a story behind a beer is to to purchasing a beer or to to going back to creating that sort of idea of community and locality and I I personally I anytime I go anywhere I always liked and it's it's harder to do here it's getting a bit easier in Ireland but like when I was in the UK or the US or whatever I always like to try find something local and find out about it and so it it definitely would draw me to something if, if there's like a bit of a history a bit of story behind it 
and just just to get an idea of what's around it, you know, where you are. It's like. Yeah. And I wonder, too, if there's been kind of a, almost like a sort of a curve, kind of a return to it, because I feel like at least for some of the American ones, it was very big in kind of late 90s, early 2000s to really tie into that local, you know, that's almost sort of hyper local kind of scene. I can think of like a lot of the dogfish head beers being named after very particular local things or uh, some of the other ones that were that were near to me. And then I feel like it, it kind of drifted away for a while, but I think it's come back. And certainly having moved here, I feel like there's there's so many really great examples like you're, you're talking about with Dungarvan or, or Ballykilcavan naming things after, you know, things on the farm or hope, you know, after like local Dublin characters. It's just nice to have that, that like, again, that going back to that kind of community feel, because I, I do think, especially now in a time like this, people want to not just support kind of the, the smaller brewers, but they really want to support the local small brewers. So I think having that, that sort of tie in, even if it's something that doesn't ring a bell immediately, you start to dig into it and go, oh, that's really cool. And you start to, you know, learn more. It really kind of gives you that, that sort of emotional um, connection to it. So I think it helps. Yeah, for us, it was just very much about having the sense of place. Mm. You know, as I said, we're from Dungarvan. We want to be Dungarvan Brewing Company, you know, so it was all that stuff. Bringing in the locality and our place names was um, just where we started from. But we do tend to, as with the Curious Orange, there kind of go off go off the maps <laughs> for the for for different brews or specials and things. But um, yeah, that was very, really important to us that it was like we are Dungarvan, we're rooted in Dungarvan, we're you know we're not blowins, we're locals, <laughs> <et cetera>. so, <laughs> uh, But you know, like the, the it's like yeah, it's part and parcel. Of, let's come back to as well the community thing. You know, it's part and parcel of the area and everything. And you know, so that's how we brought in so many local names um, on our beers, even though lots of people lay claim to black rock <laughs> we have our own one it's an actual rock <laughs> so yeah no i think it's so nice you can have a copper coast on the copper coast yeah. and i think we've sent a lot of people down the copper coast who might have known about it and it's one of my favorite places in the world that i actually drove it last week just because i was on the road and i came the long way home just to go on the copper coast because i haven't been there so long um, I miss that, I have to say, because we're stuck with five kilometres, so we can't yeah. really spend a lot of time at those beaches. And that. I know, I was on delivery in Tremor. <laughs> it was essential. essential business, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I kind of did take the, the long and winding road home rather than the stranger at 25. Well, speaking of COVID, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Um, just just what what do you think lies ahead for craft beer in Ireland in the face of COVID? What how do we adjust to to how do we adjust to COVID? What do we what do we do? <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> um, yeah, magic um, million dollar question, whatever. Um, certainly, there's been a big change. I mean, gosh, last March, April, I mean, I'm sure most of us, most small brewery owners were, is this it? I mean, there was, mm-hmm. I did have that conversation with another brewery owner and she was like, is, is this where we wind up? Like, is this going to be it? Um, but I suppose, you know, everybody start to think outside the box a bit maybe look at other options for things um we we set up some online sales that we'd never done before um we you know and then I think as well there was a bit of a delayed reaction and then craft beer started selling again kind of come May time and then we had a great summer locally and you know with the staycationers etc um that kind of thing um so yeah it, it is a big unknown I mean half our, our market is gone obviously with Mm-hmm. with the pubs restaurants mm-hmm. hotels I mean one of our we use two wholesalers one of them totally deal with the hospitality industry so I mean I think I think they maybe took one order last July but you know we haven't really heard from them since and don't expect to um so there is a bit of that there is even I mean pre-Christmas it was or pre-December I suppose do we fill kegs how many kegs do we fill how long you know there's a, there's even those sorts of I know we're on a very small scale um, but it is kind of how far ahead can you plan for things, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, so I suppose, but there has been certainly, it feels a little bit like the olden days of some ways of the earlier days in terms of, I think a lot of people are coming to craft beer for the first time um, because in the spirit of maybe of supporting locals, supporting small businesses, mm. I think also just having a little bit of time to, you know, being on social media, but more being exposed to more brands, um I actually noted it today I was replying to a very nice email not a complaint but a, a noted you know this sediment in our, all of our beers so I know 
when we go into a new market, we suddenly start getting these emails. I found this like, this stuff in my beer. What is, you know, kind of thing. So I was like, oh, God, another one of these emails to reply to. And then like, no, no, that's good. That means these are all new customers coming to us, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, there's definitely a little bit of a sense of, I think, even discovering for the first time or maybe rediscovering going back to brands that they haven't because, you know, there was so much happening say 2014, 2015, there were so many new brewery openings, yeah. there were so many new beers coming out. Or I was the same myself, trying to keep up and trying to try all the new stuff and, you know, keep up with everything. So I think maybe people have had a little breathing space and said, you know what I haven't had in a long time now that I like or that uh, it's happened to me as well. You know, I picked up a, a, a beer and said, God, I used to love this. Why did I not have it for so long? Or, you know, so th- there's both discovery and rediscovery, I think, in that, in that sense. So, so in that way, maybe it's good in that, there are more people being exposed to different types of beers to to you know different brands um and different drinking habits i guess you know i think we all kind of went to be cracked initially and then sort of had to settle down <laughs> in in the first lockdown you know and i made drinks and stuff um so you know being maybe a bit more discerning about your choice when i'm going to have two nice beers now on Wednesday night what Libby or you know that kind of thing yeah uh, um, but also then you'd like to think that when the hospitality does open up um hopefully like what what Christine experienced in Dungarvan that there will be a you know what these guys are doing this and they're only over the road and why not <laughs> whether it's or beer in Dungarvan or you know Ballyco Cabins up in there <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> The Midlands. Um, so, so uh, it goes with fuzzy anything, sorry. Um, so you know, um, just that each, and that's what I like as well. That's what I what I like to experience. I mean, I don't. I mean, I love if I go to Galway and I see our beer, but also I want to try, you know, the local beer up there. And same as if you, if you go to, I don't know, Prague, you want to drink their beer, or, oh, right. you know, that kind of thing. So, so. I suppose from remaining optimistic, I, I suppose is the, is the, um, the conclusion. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a funny old world. It's a funny old business at the moment. Um, everybody, uh, it's not just in breweries. I mean, in all hospitality, retail, everything, kind of flying by the seat of the pants a little bit. And hopefully, things when the dust settles, that you know everything's good and all that. But that would be, I think, how I see it progressing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think and we we've touched on this before, just the idea of craft beer as, as forming part of in COVID times, part of a, a community, being able to go online and try this beer and talk about it and and have that connection that you you perhaps don't get with your like mainstream macro lager, um, where it, it becomes an event and an experience. And when there's not that many things to do, yeah. it's so nice to have even that small event and experience that you can share with other people. Um, however, you know, mm. you know, even though it, it might just be a beer, it is still something new to do. A yeah. novel experience yeah. in a time of not very many novel experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we even participated ourselves in, as punters. And we just enjoyed that experience of doing mm. a, a virtual tasting, you know, and getting, getting our couple of beers in the post and sitting down at seven o'clock on a Friday night or whatever time, you know, and, and, and having that experience and we're totally doing it as punters as ourselves, you know, just kind of something to do, <laughs> something to look forward to, I guess, you know. So yeah, and you said you've run a lot of you did you did the, you ran the tastings and 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 that for the the tour the tours of uh, Dungarvan and and what what were your favorite experiences with that and what what did you how did you find doing that? Um, I I enjoyed the tours. I enjoyed the I suppose I mean probably initially I would have been nervy and apologetic like I said so, oh, <laughs> now you know that kind of thing. Um, we would have often um done two-handers Cormac and I mm. so where he would do the the brewing side and then I would do the tasting side or you know sometimes even if we had large groups we might have done half each and swapped them over you know that kind of thing um so I suppose the more you do them I've come to realize I mean it's rare at this point that I get asked a question now I can't answer because mm-hmm. if I can't you know I've, I've gone and checked um my, myself every time or checked with the lads or whatever so um you will you will at times get the the tricky you know I do try and out any home brewers at the start because yeah. I know they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna ask the sticky questions or you know ask about yeast or something on the yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. guilty so, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, but I can make a joke about that to start out. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so I enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoyed the kind of interaction with people and the meeting people and the, the you know, I mean, I end up usually, I mean, especially when a group comes, they can be very, very quiet initially and reserved and everything. By the time you're halfway through the tasting, then the chat is flying, the questions are flying. And I mean, I end up interrogating people. <laughs> how, how did she end up here? <laughs> what did you do? saying? You know, I probably should probably have seen all that when she was in. But you know, so I mean, I'm interested, I suppose, in the people as well. And, mm. Like, oh, how, how do you know about us? How do you know about the What are you doing here? You know, um, we often get people, or have often when this happened, um, especially in summertime, who you know may have a family connection to Dungarvan and are here on holiday from the states, from the UK, from wherever, who bring the local family cohort with them you know who quite often haven't known about us or weren't haven't been exposed and and that side of it as well and the people side of it and also um it's generally good fun we've had um it actually came up on my phone my pictures today a year ago today I think was our our last um big group (laughs) at the brewery um which is a stag group that was in which is they're all stag and hen parties good crack as well and they're always, I love when they ring to book and they get very, um, I said, this is a stag party. And they get very, um, um, well, you know, it's like, no, no, it's fine. Because any stag party that comes to us, they're generally early. Not up for the usual sort of stag dude mm-hmm. type messiness, you know. Or if they are, they're starting with us. So <laughs> not going to there. I send them off to town. But, you know, so you can generally have a good bit of fun, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, no, I, I enjoy that side of it. Yeah. You, and you mentioned like that, that family connection with sort of, you know, people in the community and the, you know, how there is this history of brewing in Dungarvan. Have, have you guys ever tried to sort of dig up old recipes from previous local breweries or any thoughts we've, to look that up? Um, we've kind of looked at stuff and there's a very active um, Water County Museum. Mm. If you've seen them on Twitter, they're very active on Twitter. And they, they did actually a few years back, they did a whole exhibition. They tied it in with Weeble Festival of Food here in April time. Mm. And they did a whole brewing and baking exhibition oh, of oh. brewery and bakery of, of old, you know. So so like so they've often pulled up something. I mean, they tag us on things that they oh. find on clothes and things mm. like that. that is I don't cool. think we've found recipes going back. Um, now, they they would have, this brewery would have, as most of them did, ended up as a Guinness butter. Right. For the last 20, 30 mm-hmm. years of existence. So I don't think recipes have actually ever been dug. I and mean, we've talked about it in the past and things like that. It would be great to kind of get, get something to, you know. Uh, we also did, did um, we did engage with the, this monastery in Mellory, uh, 15 minutes from here, say, beautiful up, up the mountains. Um, and they, they would be, um, they would have been, a, what's the word, a quiet order. And okay. they would always work the land and everything. And one of the guys who works most lives quite near and he he contacted them and and was seen was there ever a, and somebody to be fair engaged a, a monk engaged well with him and uh, all that and he said, I have nothing, I've no he said, but it must be a case that we brew beer here because they did yeah. everything, they worked the land, they did you know, they must they, have. They, they yeah, they did. Anything, so Absolutely. that would have been cool to get something yeah. from there. No. So we keep digging and <laughs> see. Yeah, it's there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it would be great. Right. It's definitely there. If I find anything related to Dungarvan specifically, actually, I think I will I will mm. send it on. But I, I think I actually have maybe it's hard because, you know, with the burning of the records and everything. And I'm very angry about that. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, because we, we do have like grain bills from like 1311 and things like that from Dublin. So I'm sure that if there, if it's there, I, I will find it. And if I find it, I'll let you know. But, uh, <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, there we go. But no, <laughs> undoubtedly, if it was a monastic community, they were brewing. Yeah, mm. a- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Just work on new stuff for now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good too. We like that. We like new stuff. Yes. No, oh, it's very interesting. So so we're interviewing you actually as part of Women's History Month. Um, and sort of right before uh Women's International Brew Day. International yeah, Women's International Brew Day, as I suddenly re- f- completely forget everything that I know about that date. Um, are you tired of being asked questions about being a woman in the brewing industry? Okay. Do you, do you feel that we have gotten to a point where we can 
stop asking that question. I, I'm, I'm not leading that one way or the other. <laughs> do you, do you feel that, um, we need to keep asking that question? Do you think it's important to, to keep asking those sorts of questions? Um, I'm not, I'm not tired of being asked anything. <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to engage with anything. I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to speak about my experience or my, mm-hmm. my womanly experience or my, you know, um, so I've, I've no issue with that. Um, I, I do think it's a, it's a good conversation. Mm. It's a good question. It is one you get asked a lot. It is, you know, it, even very recently, it's often, to be fair, out of maybe a little naivety or, you know, mm. no malice intended, but I do kind of get a lot, would you drink the beer yourself now? Kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, I, and, I, and I don't get narky or upset or anything when anyone mm. asks me that any man asked me that you know um so uh yeah so I you know I'm totally fine to engage with those kind of questions I've I've no issue with that um it has I I I think personally when we started out the 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 market the community whatever was was so niche so Mm -hmm. small um as in the beer drinking community maybe the home brewing community which we were fairly aligned with as well through Cormac obviously um the, you know there wasn't really a big male female thing or you know everybody to hang out with everybody and that kind of thing whereas I do feel a few years in a lot of masculinity came into it you know and I think that's where it was time to start stamping the foot and go hang on now <laughs> so you know so I've no problem with doing that um and I've no problem with, with having these conversations they're talking mm-hmm. about, about being a woman <laughs> in in, yeah. in, in a man's world or in the beer world or whatever right. you know but to be honest I meet so many women in the right. beer world as well that it's never kind of been and that's why I was a bit shocked when all of this sort of masculinity came into it and I was mm. like we were all fine you know yeah <laughs> no Sam I'm you in know. the tech industry and had the same thing happen actually my first couple of teams were all majority female and then boom something else yeah. happened it was weird yeah so well the beards are out exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so you know that's that's how it is, though I guess. <laughs> but yeah, but it's still it's still it, there is still like a lot of, a lot of women who who <laughs> do drink beer. Obviously, present company aside, I mean the obvious. <laughs> but you know, you know, I mean, as I said, I do we do even with tourism that I mean, I, I know at one point I was keeping track and we were we'd had more hen parties than stag par- oh. groups, at the, you know, on tourism things. So you, we do, I do actually get a lot of all female groups. And coming, and I think maybe as well. Then I have been asked to come and speak to female groups because obviously, the, if you know, if they're, I know one particular women's group, women's association, whatever kind of that, you know, and then I suppose they want females of from different industries to come in. So you know, if I can help, <laughs> I will. You know, but um, so yeah, and and so no, no, I'm happy to, I'm happy to speak about this. Yeah. Yeah, no, the only reason I, I, I ask that sort of not intentionally loaded question, but I ask that question is because sometimes it seems like as women in the beer industry that we are women in the beer industry and and we don't really get to explore much beyond being women in the beer industry. So that's why I, I kind of asked that question to see, you know, how much do we do we still want to engage with these conversations? Do we want to engage with them all the time? What sort of level do we want to to talk about being a woman in the industry? And how much can we also just say, you know, I am a woman in the industry, but also, you know, here are mm. all these other things. Can we talk about those things too? And not only be sort of, I guess, only identified as woman in industry. I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's funny. It's something I know in the past I've sort of thought about or looked at or something that when we started off and I suppose the early years when, when it was a much smaller, there were, I mean, I have a number, I should double check it, but I mean that there were seven microbreweries in Ireland when we started. Wow. And us in trouble brewing started pretty much the same time with us debuted at, at the Easter Festival in Cork that year. So, you know, we, Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. 
Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pretty much at the same, same date of birth. Um, that when you kind of look around to in those first couple of years when we were at the likes of the East Beer Festival, that who was there and all, there wasn't really a brewery that didn't have a female attached. Mm, you know what mm. I mean? Like, like you know, and, and at the time, I suppose even the, the big ones now were smaller then, you know, like so Carlo, it was always Kay O'Hara was there at the bar and, the, you know, Sally was, was cool on and, you know, all these. So, like, it's not, it was always a thing that, yeah, there's always, there's a woman in, in most breweries or, you know, yeah. or involved or, you know, I suppose the, the guys were generally out front in the, the picture with the wellies and the, and the, the shovel or whatever. But, you know, there, so there was a sort of, you know, female part to each brewery or something. Mm. That's not wrong, but you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, so I, it wasn't such a big deal, I think, or something. Um, and as I say, craft beer itself was so niche at the time. It was like you were strange anyway for doing it with it, whatever. You, know, <laughs> you know, it was that, that, that thing that those people over there are doing, you know. So, um, yeah, so it, it definitely, as I said, I mean, I ha- it, did, it did sort of seem to become very dominated by men for a while. Then. Should it be a big deal? Should it be an issue that there is or isn't a, a woman? I don't know. Should it in any job? Should it in the tech world mm-hmm. or anywhere? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it's important for a bit yeah. of balance, you know, to have, you know. <laughs> um, so not, not not just in a in a you know box ticking exercise type way, but right. just you know, yeah. generally in life <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, the different perspectives come in and all that sort of thing. So um, so yeah, to me, it's it's fairly important that there are women involved in in, in the industry. Absolutely. And do do you feel like there's more pressure for you now as a woman in the industry than perhaps it was when it first started with more when it was more you're saying more more equal as to, to now or perhaps when it became really masculine there for, for a little bit? Or- um I think definitely the I wouldn't say I feel more pressure, but then again I sort of see myself as we're we're a bit longer in the twos, we're a bit, you know, kind of <laughs> Oh, maybe I don't care anymore I don't know um I'm just old and tired I don't know but uh, you know so um so I wouldn't feel pressure in that way I just feel that this is me this is who I am taking yeah. kind of thing um in life in general yes. uh, so so you know so that's fine um but um I, I think they're, they're definitely, they're, they reach a point where as women, we just have to sort of elevate our voices and mm. go, hey, you know what, we're here too. And we actually have been for a while. And, you know, I, I think that that did reach a point mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was necessary and, and important. And, uh, but yeah, so, but no, certainly I don't, I don't, don't suffer food slightly maybe or something. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I just walk on by that. <laughs> No, I think that's great. I I completely agree with you. I I remember reading an article like I don't even remember how many years ago about women from some some beer blogger in the UK who wrote something about women who drink beer unfeminine as as if women all want to be feminine and as if we care what you think. 
And so, yeah. no, I completely agree that we we sort of need to continue to kind of, you know, raise our, our hands and our voices and be like, we've been here. We've yeah. always been here. Yeah. I don't even know how to respond to that. So that doesn't oh, make yeah, it, I just, didn't read that yeah, article. Like, I didn't bother cares? finishing it. Yeah. It Come wasn't, on, it wasn't someone <laughs> famous or anything. It was just some like, and I was just, I, yeah. I just remember someone sent this to me and I was just like, what? Like... <laughs> It doesn't like saying if I drink my coffee out of a mug rather than a cup. Right. Or, I don't know. I mean, what's, what's feminine or the audacity? I I'm unfeminine. I don't know. I've never tried to be <laughs> feminine. So. Yeah, like like as if femininity is the be all end all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but like, not everyone wants to be feminine. And like, beer doesn't have a gender. How bizarre! Yeah. Like, what a weird thing. I to do. Say. I do. I do like a stem glass. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a point. Exactly. <laughs> walk away from that one I think I know (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do you even say to that I I grew up I have three sisters and then I grew up with a dad who did not think we should drink out of pint glasses or bottles or so we of course did the complete opposite and he's okay now but it it took a while (laughs) it took a while I'm the opposite I have four brothers so I probably grew up in a fairly neutral environment our house so you know like we were all the lads yep. uh, I, I do and sister as well but you know so I mean just there wasn't a big boy girl thing or anything yeah, it was yeah. like you know so I mean I'm a four older brothers so like just never a big deal to be yeah. dealing with boys or men or anything like that kind of thing so yeah they're all the one <laughs> <laughs> I mean as in I treat anybody with yeah do you think there are any unique challenges to being a woman in the beer world? I sort of going back to what we're saying, particularly, I guess, in Ireland, do you think there are any unique challenges? I mean, I think this is kind of piggybacking off of sort of what Joanne just said. And I don't think so, but maybe mm. I'm blinkered by saying that. I'm, I'm second guessing myself now. I mean, I don't think so. There's so many you know, women I know of working in, in, in different parts of the beer world, but being you know, sales reps for distributors or right. working in, in off licenses and, you know, selling in pubs, whatever. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think there is. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to correction on that, I suppose. No, I, stronger opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, your lived experience is, is you know, your lived experience. And, and that's so yeah. important. And I think we need to hear all everyone's sort of voices on Yeah, and on, I mean, I suppose, you know, the, like, like Joanne said about her dad not liking drinking a pint or me saying, you know, say to me, would you drink beer yourself kind of thing. I assume you drink wine kind of thing, mm. um, which I do as well. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, which again is a little bit of, as I say, naivety, old-fashioned values, whatever, not no malice intended kind of thing, uh, I would think. I, I don't know your dad or anything, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> and I suppose my, my parents would have been the same, would have been, yeah. you know, women don't drink pints, that sort mm. of the way, but they, they know issue with me drinking beer now or else. They have, they're not telling me. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they probably would have come from a, a generation of it's a bit uncouth or something to be yeah. holding a big dirty pint. Like my my <laughs> mom still wouldn't drink from a pint box, but that's her choice and that she, right. she doesn't mind. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. We did get a picture of her, though, drinking out of a stein on my 30th birthday. That's <laughs> for my dad. So My mother is more of a wine drinker, and actually when we got these stemmed pint glasses, um, she was like, I think they're good for wine, wouldn't they? And I was like, yeah, pint of wine. Pint of wine, pint of wine. So I don't know, maybe she's sitting at home having her pint of wine tonight. Less, less refills, you know. <laughs> this just all reminds me of the, the feminist protests in the in the 60s when they went into the bar and they all ordered... They all ordered brandy and then they were all served their brandy and then they ordered a pint and the barman refused to serve them a pint. So they they had drank their brandy and so they refused to pay and then they just walked out. And this was part of like the movement to get them to get yeah. women to be able to be accepted to, because bars would refuse to serve pints. Um, and then they also had to sit in the lounge with it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that, that I believe was true as well. Like that. There was there was a pub. Do you know the pub Joanne in Waterford that famously didn't serve women at all up until very recent years? I, I read about it recently. Now I can't remember the name of it. We're only here about eighteen months, but I, I remember reading yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that was even when we had started. They, a famously cranky owner that didn't allow women in uh, was the first non-poking smoking pub, I think, in Ireland, never allowed smoking. We weren't allowed to swear in there, you know, so it wasn't just the women you'd issue with. And um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been taken over by newer, fresher owners <laughs> now. But yeah, so, you know, just the old fashioned values or whatever that he was imposing. No, it's inter- it's interesting that there are still kind of remnants or or you know, remnants of those ideas that are, you know, centuries old that are still kind of battering around here, left, right and center. And we we sometimes don't know where they come from, but there they are yeah. <laughs> still there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you mentioned too, like, you know, the, the women, you know, in so many different roles across the industry. And I think that's another thing we want to sort of pick up on as we talk to more women in beer or, you know, across this year is, you know, you know, obviously people always know the brewers because mm. that's kind of been the the media focus, the way the sort of craft beer media evolved. And obviously there are certainly women who are brewers, but there are women and men in so many other roles that are absolutely vital to the industry. Like obviously, you know, all the sort of back office stuff, packaging, I mean, everything, there's such a huge supply chain. And we're talking about malting on a previous episode. I mean, so many things that people don't even think about as, you know, absolutely essential to the industry and to sort of hopefully spotlight some more of those roles, I think will be, really really interesting and i think again people don't even know that a lot of these jobs exist so it's uh and that a lot of them have like amazing women doing them so hopefully we'll get some of those stories too yeah yeah no there are there are definitely a lot across the whole spectrum of you know which is not just in the brewery there are all those other roles as you say kind of ancillary roles or whatever feeder (laughs) that are but that are really important i mean off the top of my head I can, I can picture an aim if you want certain you know really good really good sales reps and stuff you know and I mean the beer isn't getting out there then forget about it kind of thing so yeah really important to it all no absolutely I think I think you are both everyone is is absolutely right that you know the brewer as Lisa said is sort of the famous person but the brewery can't run without without the marketing team without you know without social media without running tastings and tours and all these other parts and so you know it all works together in a beautiful sort of you know ecosystem (laughs) Um, but yeah I do think sort of highlighting the importance of people in a brewery besides the brewer, not that not to disparage or, or take away Absolutely. from the importance of the brewer, but but to also understand there, there are all these other bits and pieces. So if you want to go into a brewery and or, or work in, in a brewery and, you know, oh, maybe that's not where I'm skilled or I don't feel like maybe that's what I want to do. There are all these other options for you to work in the industry, but not brew specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I I feel like almost every uh, every quality assurance lab I know has been all run by women. Like almost every brewery I've ever been to, and obviously that's crucial, you know. But uh, again, something else too to do with your microbiology PhD, which uh, you know, where are those academia jobs? So a lot more fun over here. Um. Oh, I guess I should ask. What about female consumers? How How do you think or do you think there's been a change in, in, in the amount of female consumers over the, over the years as you've been brewing and making beer or, or no, not at all. You think it's, it's still pretty, it's pretty equal and 50, 50 and. It's, it's certainly not 50, 50, 50 male, female. No, and never has been. But having said that, I think even when we started out, there was a good, you know, a strong female cohort market share whatever the mm. terminology is um you know that we were definitely identifying like there's there's a you know a good a good strong market for female drinkers is that right um and i would i would gosh i haven't looked into this or done anything on it but i i my assumption would be that it's probably still the same percentage but you know the market share has grown a bit mm. but you know so the 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 percentage breakdown is probably similar to what it was maybe 10 years ago, but that there are more of each right. group um, drinking. But yeah, there, uh, you know, I think we, we always felt that there was a kind of a, uh, you know, a, a strong market in, in, in the female drinking world or something. Um, we, we Something we did identify in our early years was, what well, probably when we were doing our, our research before we started, was there were a lot of women at that time moving from say wine to beer mm. in that I can treat really nice beer whereas if I open the bottle of wine it's gone and it's you know it's it's not healthy or, or feasible or whatever to be drinking that sort of way 
Um, so yeah, I'll treat myself to one or two nice beers rather than mm. the bottle of wine, maybe kind of thing. So I think there was a bit of coming over from that side of the market. Um, it kind of it's it's come up so much with me, especially people asking, what, what, you know, what, what should what should I? I want to get my wife into beer, my girlfriend, my brother, my sister, whatever it is. What 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 what, what would women like? Kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, well, what does she like? What does she drink? What kind of like sweet or sour or savory or you know? So it's like like everybody, you know, everybody's different taste buds and palates, and you know, so I, I'm not of the women would like this kind of thing no absolutely yeah <laughs> school um because same as men I actually think dare I say it I think I think women are actually more open-minded women will try more I think men can kind of find a style and stick to it in in some ways um where, whereas women I do I do often get especially by groups of women coming that there are some who are like don't drink beer at all now and I always say that's no problem when you just taste each one and I don't mind if you don't like them I have no problem at all if you don't like them just please taste each one and I do often get us you know I, I, as I say interrogate people obviously and I, I would sort of say you know would you try the red ale I think and they they can clarify because they just see this you know their grandfather drank smithics kind of thing and, that, and that's, that's the image they have and but you know like a, you know I, I just think that might be to your palate because I think you don't want a happy or you know um and the same even when often again I'm, I'm generalizing but groups of women often when it comes to you know if I'm going light to dark and a tasting and when it comes to stout and like, I won't bother I won't bother and I'm saying, well, you just taste just <laughs> no bother if you spit it out if you absolutely hate it that's fine when you just try it and so many women and I'm, I, I suppose I'm talking about now in a, a general group sense these are not particularly beer drinking women you know they're into their beers or anything like that um, are often really pleasantly surprised when they try stout so I think just keeping an open mind in general, you know, um, is all I ask. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, I always say, you know, especially people, people say, oh, I don't like beer and I'm like, just give me 20 minutes. <laughs> and we find you do like a beer, you just need to find the beer or the style of beer, the type of beer or, you know, and often what you find is what they don't like is a hoppy, bitter flavour or something. You know, when, when somebody says to me, I don't like beer. And then there are other things we can there's another path we can go or there's other ways we can we can try this out and they're often pleasantly surprised or good at acting in front of me <laughs> <laughs> but I like to think that <laughs> I change people <laughs> I mean that's something we've talked about a lot on various podcasts actually I mean, there are there is something for most people and people generally say they don't like beer but they haven't you know they've kind of tasted one specific or just something very yeah. generic and if you actually talk and have a discussion with them, you can figure out what they might actually might actually like. You know? Yeah. And usually just ask them, well, what do you drink? Do you drink wine? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then kind of knowing where to run. And this isn't a beer thing, I'm sure a wine person would just say the same, like there's such a gamut of flavours and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just sort of teasing out what don't you like about it mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing and what, what might you like and what flavours might appeal to you. And then we can we can go with that, yeah. No, I, I completely, my mom is one of those, oh, I don't like beer, but she goes to every single beer school she can get her hands on. <laughs> she loves it. She wants to learn everything, but I actually, I finally got her. She likes cherry sour beers. Hey, yeah. she will, she will drink any cherry sour beer you put in front of her, but, but nothing else, but, but we found one. <laughs> found it, yeah. <laughs> she found the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So speaking of, what what was your favorite beer to brew or couple favorite beers to brew um, um, that the Garvin made or what <laughs> you like to drink, you know? <laughs> I, I do get asked loads when I finish with tasting and it's funny, I, I act surprised every time but often it's the same questions you get asked over and over and one of them is always, and which one's your favorite Oh gosh, I couldn't pick her, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But I think the one I have most affinity to is the one Joanna's drinking there, <laughs> which is the, the Curious Orange, because that was, as I said at the start, I don't pretend to brew, I don't, but that was the one I sort of, um, that was my, I wouldn't say how many years ago, but, uh, that was my 40th birthday beer, <laughs> basically. And I gave it to the Cormac. Um, awesome. saying, I want this, I want that, I want these kind of flavours, this kind of thing, I want a Saison, because Saison is kind of probably my favourite style, if that's the next question to come, um, you know, and, and sort of worked on developing with him. 
Um, so probably the one I have, as I say, most affinity with. And if I was to drink somebody else's first night, probably the one I'd be drinking of our own. <laughs> um, so I do, I do really like that one as well. So yeah, that I kind of I class that as minor. Either way. <laughs> well, my is, name is, is on the label. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my uh, yeah my 40th birthday party week was the first issue of that. <laughs> I should have said 30. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can edit it. That <laughs> Four years ago. Okay. <laughs> year. So yeah, that's, that's, the, yeah, that's the one that, yeah. I think previous to that, we did a, a series days on before we did it a few mm-hmm. times in the past. And I think that was always my, my number one. So, oh, that sounds uh, amazing. We need to redo yeah. that now so I can <laughs> do it. A near in time comparison. But, yeah. Mm. Obviously, I go for safe. <laughs> Does anyone have any last questions before we stop torturing Claire? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just want to know when we can get down there and have some again. But we know none of us know. So, but yeah. looking forward to it. Room, you can stay. Yes, yes. <laughs> just have to move the boxes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, I I cannot wait to get back to Dungarvan in the after times. We rented a house down there. Beautiful house. Absolutely want to do it again. We brought the dog. It was amazing. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it is actually a really good summertime. You know, I know everybody's going to say the same about their town <laughs> or whatever, you know, but like, I mean, we, we honestly were blessed with our two kilometers <laughs> last year, <laughs> you know. Um, when when the weather was good and everything like that, you know, we were literally cycling to the beach with the kids and things like that. Oh. So um, it is a good spot down here, and I, I think the whole, actually, all of County Water, I think, is fantastic. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a good place to come. I think it's, it's a really good summer chance. So, so yeah, come <laughs> join us. Oh, we will, we will. So, Amazing. Yeah, it will be it will be great to have a few. I don't know what's going to happen this summer, but if we can have. I don't know if we'll be doing tours, if we'll be doing groups, you know. Who knows? Oh, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, all welcome. <laughs> when, when, when allowed, all welcome. Yeah, my question is more to go bother our local distributors to say, how come you don't have as much as, you know, I'd like to go pick up? So I will I'll have words with them. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, can, I can get it quite easily, actually, this yeah. Well, and I, I, now, now that, that's idea. true. And now that we're moved into our, our new house, we've just moved recently and unpacked. I could actually place an order and have it appear. So that's, you know, hey. that's a possibility. <laughs> Beer mail is the best mail. It's it the best. best. <laughs> Especially when you forgot you ordered something and it just appears. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do love it when we have like our meetups and like we order a bunch of, we're talking about beer. And so then I order the beer at the time and I, so, you know, forget that I've ordered the beer and then it's a big surprise. <laughs> Past me, bought future me, this lovely beer gift. Exactly. I've done that yeah. a few times. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> you know, I do have one question actually, going slightly off topic, but like, what, what are your views about like sustainability? within the beer industry is that like it's quite a hot topic at the moment I suppose and um, one of um, Erica who was on here she is she's doing her thesis I think on um, it's about using spent grains the ways that we can use spent grains and and that kind of thing to just to just make it more sustainable is that anything you've given any kind of thought to or um yeah it it is um it's sort of a I mean it's always a Oh, a topic of discussion. I think we had our ICDI AGM there recently, which is our independent craft brewers of Ireland um, <laughs> community of, of, of breweries. And, you know, it, it rears its head every every time the, a group of us get together with the whole the World Beer Origin Green certification, which we're all expected to get, which we all feel is far too onerous. And, um, but um, generally, most breweries do work at a quite sustainable level as i would say probably most small producers do so all of our grain from day where as i think most people are we're registered animal feed producers as well so all of our grain goes to feed cows cormac's neighbors has uh, cormac's neighbor is a farmer has, has a dairy farm and he takes all our grain so and that is all registered and, and tracked and everything that's us has gone into the food chain um so we we do in terms of spent grain yeah we do but i think generally we operate very sustainably 
Now, obviously, there would be economies of scale mm-hmm. if you're working at a bigger level. In terms, you know, mm-hmm. if we use an awful lot more water, for example, to make a pint of beer than your big breweries would. Um, so, barring that, but I mean, even down to I know there's sheets of cardboard that come in that cover our bottles, cover each layer in the palette, which are kept and we use them for something. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Like, so there are, I think, as in any small business, there's a certain thriftiness generally. <laughs> And, you know, what, 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 can we, what can we fashion this thing into or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we also, we recapture our, our water. So when we're chilling our beer, it goes to heat exchanger hmm. and the warm water that comes out, we recapture to start the next day's brew. So we're starting at a higher base temperature and, you know, more efficient in that way. So, so I, I think for the most part, most small breweries do all this kind of stuff and are generally quite sustainable. But I think I would extend that to probably most small mm. small businesses anyway, but small food producers do, you know, and I mean, you don't want to see the bins getting too full, you don't want, you know. Um, so so yeah, I think we do operate at that level, but I think then it's hard when we're sort of expected to put the same sustainability plan in place as a very large yeah. mm. multinational corporation who probably has somebody specifically to do this work <laughs> and to, mm. you know, so so we all, all, all I speak to anyway find this as a difficulty mm. as a challenge so we don't have our origin green stamp even though we probably are working and if we yeah. put a week aside maybe and put the time into but we just don't have the time because we're running and racing and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm. um, so that, that's the sort of difficulty that people are coming across that we can we, we, we generally are working at a sustainable level and doing all we can and all that but um for ourselves, not just because yeah. we're signed up to a charter, but yet not getting the the mark that the big companies do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we 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 do. I mean, there have been interesting uses of of the spent grain. Going back to that, um, which we've seen, you know, dog biscuits and growing mushrooms, yeah. and we've had a lot of people over the years. Not so much anymore. I'd say they've just given up on us. Who? excuse me, I've called in and like, can I get, I, 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 I have two pigs in the backyard, can I get a person? But we, we just found it easier to deal with because of having to document everything and, and mm. traceability and all that. And we yep. have a guy who comes and just takes everything, you know, rather than splitting out in separate places and things like that. Um, we've actually, I say we, Cormac <laughs> in the past has made bread using spent grain, which mm. is quite cool as well. Oh, Except when you use, um, don't use the spent grain from stout though, unless you like grey bread. <laughs> it tastes fine, but just you know, <laughs> So you know, we have we have ourselves, but yeah, yeah, generally goes to eats and cows. We when we initially started, and Cormac approached, as I say, his neighbour about taking the grain. He was a bit sceptical and all that, and then he bounced back in delighted because the cows who had been fed this grain got a higher price at the mart oh very nice I'll take it all (laughs) and I think he doesn't necessarily I'm not agricultural now I don't fully he doesn't always need it and everything but he will find someone to give it to he doesn't want to sort of say give it to somebody else this week and you know he wants it for the time he needs it so he'll distribute it then to other people I guess or, or use it in different ways or whatever so yeah so that's that's where our grain goes, and he also takes our he takes our spent hops and stuff as well, which can't be used for animal feed, but he, they go to his compost as well. So they're all okay. Dead. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it. Just do what you can as well, though, isn't it? That's yeah, you, know, mm, you, know, you yeah. can only do so much. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's something that we would be aware of, and just interpersonally anyway, and you yeah. know, so yeah definitely try to work at, at, as a sustainable level as possible. So any final thoughts, Claire, before we sort of end the, uh, <laughs> the hot seat challenge for you? Today? <laughs> um, no, I hope it wasn't too rambly. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. It was, it was like, wonderful. It didn't prepare too hard. I was a bit nervous, so uh, <laughs> I wasn't so that serious. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> <Anticipated>. <laughs> They were lovely, really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much, Claire, for for coming. Thank you so much. But but, yeah, no, it was wonderful to hear all your 
all your responses and I just feel like I just learned so much today. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to kind of sit probably wake up and like, oh, I should have said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> then I wouldn't send it to him. <laughs> uh, uh, we all have those conversations ourselves uh, <laughs> every time, every time. But yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah. And thank you all. And thank you, Joanna and Lisa, for co-hosting with me today. And um, before we leave, just a reminder to check us out on YouTube and make sure to like and subscribe and comment and let us know what you want us to talk about. We're totally open and we'd love to hear your feedback of what you want to hear from us. So without further ado, uh, goodbye. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.